Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio Program. How can a man who sexually betrayed his partner understand her grief process and why this is important for the potential restoration of the relationship? Today's guest is Carla Downing. Carla has been on the podcast multiple times and provides such a wealth of wisdom and practical advice for couples navigating difficult challenges in their relationship. In this episode, she helps men understand the grief process of a woman healing from betrayal trauma by highlighting each stage, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, and eventually hope. Men, if you want to better love and serve your wife and her healing journey, this podcast will give you practical insights. To learn more about Carla and her resources for couples, visit changemyrelationship.com. For even more resources, visit bebroken.org or check out links in today's show notes. And please rate and review the podcast after listening to help others find it. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken, and we exist to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. Now, let's dive into today's conversation with Carla. Well, all right, Carla Downing, welcome back to the program. Oh, it's wonderful to be here. Yeah, you know, I'm uh, for for those who maybe don't know you, I'm just going to ask them to, to go to changeyourrelationship.com find out all about you there. They can also even look in our archives because you've been on multiple times. Mm-hmm. I really want to just dive into this topic because I feel like there is so much good information here, so much good hopeful content that that you can bring about this idea of, of helping wives of sexually addicted husbands to understand the grief process. So why don't you just set it up for us. What are we looking okay. at here and, and where are we going to go in these stages for wives uh, dealing with this? Okay. Just one clarification. It's changemyrelationship.com. So that's I'm sorry. Please find it. That's totally fine. Yeah. Um, okay. So first of all, grief process. The grief process was originally uh, written about by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and she was studying uh, people who were diagnosed with a terminal illness. And when uh, she was, she came up with these five stages and the acronym that I use for it is DABDA Mm -hmm. and DABDA meaning for denial and then anger and then bargaining and depression and acceptance. But we're going to add another one to it today and we're going to end on hope. So your prayer was absolutely perfect. We are going to end with hope because after acceptance comes hope. And that's hope for reconciliation, hope for healing, hope for change. Uh, So, but those stages, when they were originally uh, talked about for people with a terminal illness, then people started to realize, oh my gosh, like that applies not just to terminal illness, but anytime you have a significant loss. And if you become very familiar with the grief process, and you're aware of yourself going through it, Um, as I am, you will notice that we have it kind of in a compressed, quicker form anytime that we suffer a loss or a disappointment or something that happens. Like I can tell recently I had to cancel my annual ski trip and I went through it with that. I was like, no, I'm hanging on. I was telling my Mm -hmm. doctors, I'm going, I'm going. And my family, I'm going. And they were like, no, you're not. (laughs) I was like, that was my denial. And so, 
you know, we, you go through it for everything. So, but when it comes to big things like discovering your spouse's sexual addiction or discovering an affair, uh, it is a very deep process. But if you understand that you are going to go through it and you recognize it, it is going to make it one much more productive and two, it's going to give yourself, give you the ability to give yourself grace. But for the men out there, I want them to listen to this and I want them to mm -hmm. understand what their wives are going through because they are, you know, in this thing, when you have couples that are doing that, you, they are reacting to each other. I mean, he's just as destabilized and, and insecure and fearful and, and, you know, all that stuff that she is right now, and they're going to react to each other. So I want him to understand what she's going through. And I'm going to throw in a few, few things today to help the wives understand what the husband is going through at different processes so that they can, can recognize it and work together. So the first one, they all know they're here and they've felt this one big time. And that one is the denial. And the denial comes when you have the discovery of the addiction or the discovery of an affair. And they may have had suspicions prior to this. They may have seen things and not, you know, really been able to put it together. But when you finally are presented with the reality, it's overwhelming. It is absolutely destabilizing and and you're you're dealing with that and you're thinking is, is this true and then you go through this little process of oh my gosh this sexual addiction uh, my husband has a sexual addiction my husband is involved in affair or at the same time then you go through no he's not no it's not it can't be true it can't be true this can't be my reality and you can go back and forth with this for quite a, a large amount of time you may notice yourself uh thinking just continually about it you may mm -hmm. notice that when you wake up in the night to get a drink of water or when you wake up in the morning the first thing that hits you is like this flood of these thoughts of what's going on or what you found out or then you'll you'll be going back in this no 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 yes yes it may be difficult to put your shoes on to figure out what to wear difficult to process life, difficult to get your kids dressed for school, to keep your schedule, to keep your job. This is literally, it's an emotional thing, but it's also a um, thing that your brain does in order to wrap yourself around a truth that is difficult to deal with. Now, our body goes through this when we have an injury we go, our body goes into a shock um, with the injury. And then in that shock, it cushions us from the pain. For a while, we have this massive surge of, you know, adrenaline and norepinephrine where that keeps us from actually feeling the intense pain. It is protective. Denial is protective. It allows you to deal with huge deep, difficult information and come in and out of it in almost a grace way of, not, of dealing with it, not dealing with it, dealing with it, not dealing with it. And it can, and it can last for a good amount of time um, as you're trying to wrap your, 
mind and your emotions around this new shocking disabling information. Can I ask a question about that? Because I think yes. what you're talking about is uh, is so normal, but because sometimes grief can be so sort of overwhelming, overpowering the the disclosure and all of that. Can you talk about how important it is in this first stage for uh, a wife to really listen to her body's signals in terms of some of that fatigue and some of those the the highs and the lows of that? Absolutely. That's why I said understanding it and recognizing, okay, this is shock. One of the things that you need to tell yourself during that time is I, I have to allow myself to do this and I'm not going to be able to figure this out right now because that's part of the thing is getting the disclosure and then oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? No, you can't figure all out right now what you're going to do. You're not there. You're literally trying to figure out how to cope with new information. So yeah, self-care is huge. Maybe you do need to take a little bit of a break from work or, or make your life simpler or literally ask for help for some people. Um, maybe even allow your husband to do more. <clears throat> I know you're mad, going to be mad at him shortly, but <laughs> you, you know, you might, whatever it is to take care of yourself, recognizing that you're not going to solve it now. You don't have the answers. You're not going to figure it out. You just need, it's almost like survival at the beginning. It's like, it would be finding out a death about somebody's death. Um, and figuring out, I just have to figure out why people bring people meals when mm -hmm. they find out, you know, when somebody close died, because you can't do your normal life stuff. You have to have outside support. So just lots of grace, lots of self-care agreed as much as possible. I mean, sleep might be disrupted. Um, you might want to ask your doctor for sleeping medication for short term, just to give yourself the ability to rest. And um, you might want to ask your doctor for anti-anxiety medication because you might find yourself incredibly anxious and unable to function because of that. So yes. And also just being able to tell yourself, like you're saying, it's okay. It's okay mm -hmm. to say, I can't do this right now. It's okay to say, I need to sleep. It's okay to say, you know, kind of, you talk about the grace, right? You've got to yep. be permission in that to say, my body is telling me I can't do what I normally do. Yes. And that's really important, right? Yep. And so, and then the, the husband can be seeing this and he's fearful as the disclosure comes out, he feels insecure. He's worried. He's fearful. He's going through all this stuff. And so he's got to recognize, you know, what I can do for her right now is I can just support her. I can just help as much as possible. Maybe I should take the kids to school, just those, those things of, and not push the, you know, he at all times through this, he's thinking, make me feel better, make me feel better, help me know it's going to be okay. And right now she's just got to, she's, she's in shock. Now, during the shock time, there may be periods where even though she's going through that shock, some anger is going to break through. And in her moments of where she's like, oh my gosh, it's real that she just me might be like, why did you do this? What's going on? I can't believe you did this. So there might be some of that, but the main thing is that is that shot is that that denial is going to come back in and that feeling of just, I don't know if this is my real reality. And then what happens is you switch into the anger and then it's like, oh, I'm mad that this is my reality. 
Yeah, one other thing I wanted to comment on about maybe the denial stage. I've heard a lot of uh, a lot of wives say that in that stage, especially, it's almost as if they feel a numbness mm-hmm. that yes. comes across them. Can you describe that a little yes. bit? That is the emotional numbness that I think in God's grace is protection. It is the same thing as your body numbing you to intense physical pain. If you're in a severe accident and you're severely injured, people will say, I don't feel the pain after a gunshot wound for a while. It's your body numbing you to the pain. This is your emotional psyche, your your emotions, your brain. Um, unconsciously just putting you automatically into this numbness. It is, that is the shock. And the numbness is a grace. It's a grace of saying, this is too overwhelming for you. Your, your whole psyche knows this is too overwhelming for you. You cannot deal with the reality of this right now. As you're just beginning to absorb this, I'm going to allow you to not feel all these feelings that you will feel later. Because you have to remember the shock is your world, your life, your marriage, as you thought it was, is not. Mm. So you are wrapping your head around the fact that it's what you thought was real was not. So it's like your world is turned upside down. You to wrap your your mind, your emotions, your spirit around all of that is not something you can do instantly. So you're in that that state of just, yes, being numb, not feeling. And that's why you're just sort of barely walking around, not really even connected sometimes, feeling kind of disconnected. But you will feel the struggle of the it's real, it's not real, it's real, it's not real. And you, your brain is going to be doing, you know, some of that also. And then comes anger, right? Then comes anger. And anger is the reality of this is true. This really happened. And the anger now there's two, two things will happen. And this is the other reason I like, uh, especially got to really talk about this, especially among Christians, because we kind of have this belief that we shouldn't be angry as Christians and that anger is wrong and that anger is sinful and that we need to forgive. So right here, when the wife comes to the situation where she has, she recognizes reality, if she comes in or someone comes in and says to her, and I've had Christian therapists tell wives, okay, you need to forgive. And it's would be absolutely not beneficial to the husband, the wife, or the marriage for the wife to instantly forgive here. If you don't feel the anger, it will go under and it will be unresolved and it will come out in other ways. The anger is what helps you literally work through the stages. If you don't work through them, you do not have a healthy resolution and resolve. So the anger, the anger can be intense. The anger is going to be directed towards your husband. How could you do this? then the anger is going to be directed toward yourself. How could I have missed this? Mm. How stupid was I to not see that he was up late, that the computer was like he was on there late at night? How stupid was I not to believe that one or two or three times that I found pornography on the computer that I didn't tell him, I discounted it. I believed his lies. How stupid was I. So you're going to have a lot of anger toward yourself and of anger toward God, your disillusion, like God, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. You brought me this man. This is Christian marriage. You, I did everything right. 
I submitted to him. I did these things. I was his, I was a good wife. How could you allow this to happen? So the anger, the anger could be at people. It could be at the father who allowed the pornography to be in the home when he was a child. It could be around the, to the brother who showed it to him. It could be toward all kinds of people that you sense that are involved. And the anger is intense and it is okay to feel it and it is good to feel it. The anger is we know righteous anger. We know from, first of all, anger is a, is a human emotion. And why is it a human emotion? Because it's a God emotion. We have, we're created in his image. God feels anger. When God saw Israel betraying him and being unfaithful, he was angry. He even talked about, and one time he even divorced Israel. We have that in the Old Testament where God said, I'm done with them. And he would hold off his anger and then he would give them another chance. And then finally he was like, I'm done. I'm divorcing them. And God felt that. So we can feel that. That anger allows you to process the pain, the loss. It's saying this was not right. This was wrong and it is wrong. And it's okay to say it's wrong. And you get to feel that and allow yourself to feel it. Now, does that mean that you get to rip your husband apart? No, not helpful. Okay. Is it that the husband gets to get mad at her because she's angry and she's telling him, hey, that's very hard not to, but you've got to just realize, okay, here's healthy, healthy anger. I will, I will allow you to tell me how angry you are and how upset you are and how how hard this is for you, but you don't get to call names. You don't get to be verbally abusive. You don't need to, you, you don't want to do it in front of other people. You don't want to mm -hmm. do it in front of the kids. You don't want to, you know, all of that. So the anger is the anger over the betrayal. And it's the anger over, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in this place. I don't want to have to be dealing with this. So let me ask a question, because I know that uh, I actually like to tell Christians, did you know God commands us to be angry? He says, be angry, but don't sin. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about just the, the because all of it is very just jumbled in, mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. a woman's mind and a heart. Can you talk about helping a, a wife be able to recognize where she is having just anger, like righteous anger? And where her anger is maybe starting to be self-directed in a shaming way. And how can how can she kind of continue to press into the reality of the righteous anger that is that is true and good, but be careful of the negative anger that can then be causing shame or going beyond righteous anger towards her husband? Can you talk a little bit about kind of where that yeah. line is and how she well, can balance that as best as possible? And that's a tough one. But, yeah. you know, righteous anger is anger at the sin anger at the unjustness of something, anger at the wrongness of it. Unrighteous anger is wanting to get revenge and hurt the other person. Mm -hmm. So yes, you want to hurt your husband as badly as he hurt you. And the intensity of the anger is going to be equivalent to the intensity of what it is that he did, right? You know, I mean, if it was 35 years of betrayal, that's going to be a lot of anger. Mm -hmm. um, there's going to be a lot that's going to come out, but it crosses the line when it becomes destructive. It becomes destructive towards the, your husband, when it becomes destructive towards you, when you hate yourself, 
because you over, you didn't notice this, you didn't see this, when you are beating yourself up, when you are beating him up, when you're tearing him apart, when you're tearing yourself apart, not helpful. Mm -hmm. And so then as, as she's moving through anger, how, what does it look like to try to process that to get to whatever, you know, to get to the next stage of bargaining or those, those things very overlapped? Um, well, they, all of this, this, we have this in a, you know, five stages, they're not perfectly divided. Yeah, they're not sequential necessarily, right? Yes, yeah. They're not necessarily even sequential. They kind of are. But one of the things that happens is you'll go back and forth. And one of the messy yeah. things with uh, sexual uh, betrayal is that as different disclosure comes out, and as different information comes out, then you're going to, you're going to go backwards. When you find out some new information, you're going to go back into some of the denial and you're then you might go back and you're going to go back into some of the anger before you go into the next thing. So this is all going to be. But if you're aware of it, like I said, you can know, OK, I, I'm going to expect myself to be really angry. The other thing that's interesting that happens with anger is sometimes we don't feel the anger until somebody gives us permission or validates what we went through. And then you can find, like you might find, I'm not really angry until I go to the therapist and the therapist says, wow, that's a lot of pain. And then you're like, oh yeah, it is. Whew, there it comes, right? You know? Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, so the the um, the intertwine, it is intertwined. You do kind of go back and forth, but if you are aware, you will recognize the distinct phases. So when you go from anger to bargaining, Bargaining is almost a little bit of the shock denial, but at a now at a little safer stage. The bargaining is basically your psyche, your spirit, your soul saying, how could I have prevented this? How mm -hmm. could this have not happened? Now, this is if you recognize we are on our way to acceptance, you will recognize how important bargaining is because bargaining is basically saying your psyche is saying, I'm going to figure out, I don't want to accept this. I don't want this to be my reality. So I'm going to try to figure out how could this have been prevented? So then you go through this deeper level of kind of that and you say, okay, God, why didn't you tell me about this earlier? Why didn't you allow me to notice it? If only I would have noticed it. If only I wouldn't have been introduced to my husband by this person and this person hadn't introduced me, I wouldn't be in this situation. If only my husband hadn't gotten that job where he was introduced to pornography on the job, if only his, and so you literally are starting to look at every person that had anything to do with this and you're trying to figure out you know, if only this wouldn't have happened, oh, then I wouldn't be dealing with this. I could avoid this if if only. And you can do this. You'll notice your brain doing this. You'll notice your dreams doing this. Uh, once again, you'll notice yourself waking up with the first thought of your mind, if, if only. And so it's a lot of processing. You might notice that your um, your emotions are kind of going back and forth from anger to denial to to a little bit of the, the pain but not you're not feeling the intense pain pain yet that you're going to feel it's literally trying to figure out 
how could this have been different? And, um, and, and that, but it's a good stage. It's a necessary stage. Yeah, it sounds like this is the stage where a little bit more um, of the the healthy processing is starting to come in, right? Yes. I mean, at first it's just an explosion. There's denial. There's anger. It's just kind of everything is a at a ten, mm-hmm. right? And this is yep. where maybe you've gotten down to a five, and you're able to kind of bring some other faculties of your mind and your heart and your reasoning and some. Of the, it does feel like some of this is still just in the vein of self protective, which makes sense, totally. right? I'm trying to figure out how can I how can I keep from you know crucifying myself for yes. what this other person did to me. So it sounds like it's it's a little bit of that, but at a better place, right? In the process. Yeah, I mean it's it's a more like attentive place in terms of from the denial and the anger of just the raging and the intensity. But remember, in in when we're dealing with sexual betrayal here, that along with this is still the desire to what happened, tell me more, or, you know, and, and then the not trusting, and then the fear, the fear of all throughout this thread is, you know, is my marriage going to break up? Is there going to be divorce? Or do I want to even be there? And yes, you can't answer those questions at this stage, either. You are literally needing to come to terms still with the reality. And you're still, and obviously, you know, the the men have dealt with the whole thing of the disclosure and they've got their own shame and their own fears and their Mm -hmm. own anger and their own, you know, all of that going on and their own reactions to their wife's intensity of her anger and then her questions. But yes, in here, there there could be with the, if only there could be a lot of self-reproach, a lot of like feeling stupid. If only I had noticed, if only I'd figured out, if only, you know, there can be a lot of personal shame. Uh, There's still, it doesn't mean there is no anger in this stage. It's just that that's what you're processing. What then does the transition look like from maybe bargaining to depression? Because, you know, I think people hear that word depression and all of a sudden they go, oh my goodness, are we, are are we talking about clinical or are we, I mean, like, like, how do you define this word in the grief process? Well, it's depression slash sadness. And and this one is what people think is grief. They don't recognize all of the other parts as grief. They think that they're in grief when they feel the grief. This is the feeling of the grief. Your stomach is at, at your feet. You're feeling the pain and the agony in your gut of the loss. You're crying. You're feeling hopeless you're feeling as if there's no future, you're just feeling devastated. Yes, you may feel completely depressed. Some people need antidepressants in the grief Mm -hmm. process. Now the grief process can last a while, but if your depression lasts too long, then you may may need short-term antidepressants. But um, this is what we think is grief. And that is what everybody knows is that feeling of just having that deep pain, that deep loss, that sobbing, that, that emptiness. Um, yeah, it's sadness. It's like a deep sadness, deep right? Yeah. Sadness. It's I remember when my, uh, when my dad died when I was 18 and I thought uh, it was weird because, you know, a year, a year or more later, I would find myself just, uh, you know, walking down the bread aisle in the grocery store and all of a sudden just tear. I'm going, yeah. what? is going on. I mean, it would, it would hit me at the weirdest times, this just deep, deep sadness. And I think that's a little bit of what you're talking about. And and talk a little bit about just 
how important it is to realize that this process can be very unpredictable. Oh, totally. Well, now remember when you're, when you're dealing with the disclosure of the, you know, of the affair or the sexual addiction, um, you're going to be in it, like in the intensity of that. So yes, it's unpredictable, but at this point, when we're discovering this, we're still going to be in the throes of this, you know, of this whole process, but yeah, this can come back later. This is something that, can this process come back when you learn something new, when you experience something new, when you're exposed to something, you know, that kind of thing. It could be, you know, it could be a loss of not later on dealing with the loss of not being able to go to a certain family function because Mm -hmm. there's something there that's going to be a trigger or something there that has is a boundary issue or something. Um, So yeah, it can, but Right now, when you're gone through this, you're going to be kind of in the throes of this. You're going to be, you, you're going to feel that loss. It's going to be kind of continual. You're going to feel all of that sadness. And it may be tough to function in this one too, mm-hmm. because of the intensity. And and talk a little bit about how how necessary all of these stages are to get to that final stage of acceptance. A- absolutely necessary. Every one of them. Got to feel them got to do it. If you don't, you're not going to have processed all of it. And the healing will not be what it needs to be. Because if you short circuit this, then you haven't dealt with all of the things that you need to deal with in order to come to that place of acceptance, hope and restoration in your marriage. So let's talk about that, those last stages there, then how do how does one transition kind of from depression, acceptance, and also Talk a little bit about like what you just mentioned a minute ago about how, you know, hey, listen, there can be things that trigger you or there can be maybe Mm. even some, it almost feels like waves or layers that you're kind of going through in grief. Can you talk a little bit about that as you talk about acceptance and hope? Yeah. So that's why I want you to recognize the grief process and realize that, yeah, if you're going to go through it at different times when something comes back and reminds you when something hits you with a loss, when if, if now the, hopefully at the, at the end of all this, you're going to, you know, end up with the discovery and have all the information, but you'll go through this again, when you have the disc, the disclosure, like if you do, you know, the thing where later on, there's a full disclosure. If your husband has not been able to be fully disclosing everything through this, at the point that you get that disclosure, you're going to go through some of this process and the loss again. Um, but the sadness lingers as long as it needs to. Now, if it goes too long and you're actually stuck there and you can't function, that's when you need to definitely get some medical help, probably with some medication short term, because this shouldn't last a year. You know, you shouldn't be in bed, unable to get out of bed for a year. This Mm -hmm. is something that you should be working through and you're going to actively feel yourself. And yeah, you might come out of it a little bit and be able to take your kids to their game and be able to go to work and then find that next weekend, you're just, you're, you're back in that place where you're crying all weekend, or you're just super sad. And for husbands to see their wife in this stage is pretty rough because they know I did this to her. It's my fault. So detaching and recognizing that if that she's she's got to go through it, this is part of the consequence, but being able to, he's going to grieve, hopefully, if he's healthy and he's willing to heal and be honest and fix his marriage, he will grieve as he sees her grieving. He's going to mm-hmm. feel the sadness over her sadness, which is a positive thing. 
that's a healthy thing. If he is feeling regret and remorse and able to have empathy and grieve over what he caused her, that's a good thing in his recovery. So this is this can be pretty rough. How does it switch into the next phase, which is where you want to go, which is acceptance? Um, it just kind of does. It just kind of is like you can begin to have a little bit of, I'm not, I'm not fighting this. I'm not, I'm not hating the fact that I'm dealing with this. It just sort of feels like you can go, okay, I can live. Like I, I can accept that this happened. Okay. I'm not going to struggle so much with, oh my gosh, my husband's a sex addict. My husband had an affair. I'm, it's like, you're not fighting it. It's like, it, imagine if you had to have an amputation of, of a limb and you're in the shock, you're in the anger. Why did this have to happen? You're in the bargaining. What if I hadn't done this? I hadn't gotten that car. I hadn't gone, you know, gotten in that accident. And then finally you're, you're thinking, oh my gosh, I got to do life without my limb. I got to figure this out. This is so hard. I've got to, got to make this. And then all of a sudden one day you go, okay, this is how I get dressed without a limb. Okay. This is, this is how mm -hmm. I, I'm going to do this without a limb. It's the same thing. It's like, oh, I have the sexual addiction. Okay. But okay, this is how I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to, it's like kind of getting hope that this is a way I'm going to be able to do this. I'm not, you're not fighting it. You're not angry about it. It's kind of like, it is what it is. And then it isn't like, being like that's not like a hopeless stage that's a helpful, right. hopeful stage because it is what it is and then it's like saying now what i'm not fighting it anymore again here it's acceptance let me tell you what acceptance is the dictionary says that acceptance is and then this i love this i got it so excited when i saw this you put out your hand and you take what is offered it's like putting out your open palm you have the sexual addiction, the sexual betrayal put in your, in your palm, you close your palm around it and you take it to yourself. You pull it to your chest. This is mine. I'm the wife of a sex addict. My husband had the affair. Okay. All right. The opposite of that, that you started off with is shock denial that uh, that's refusal to accept it. That the dictionary said is putting out your hand and refusing putting out your hand and you're stopping it and you're saying, no, 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 not mine. Now you're way over here in this acceptance and you're going, okay, my reality. Mm -hmm. And that's basically what it is. And it's, it is the whole reason that you're going through the grief process is to get there. And for husbands to recognize if your wife goes through all of those processes, she's going to end up here. And the acceptance is going to give you the opportunity to move past if you do all the other things right, which we're not talking about today. You, you have other podcasts. Right. But the yeah, I think, I think a lot of times people are so quick to want to get to whatever the change needs to be that they don't realize that change can only come after you right. have accepted reality. Yes. And so yes. I think about it. And that's why I think a lot of times we have associated, rightly so, grief primarily with death. Right. right. Because there is a sense in which you go, OK, there is a reality here that is part of my experience where this person is absent. They're not here anymore. Yep. yep. And so I have to learn to accept that reality 
before I can then make any kind of changes of or move on or whatever you want to call it. And I look at it this way too. It's not so much that uh, uh, grief does nothing for like changing what is, but it does a whole lot for getting you in the right position for what your next steps are going to be, what your future can look like, what change can look like, right? Exactly, exactly. And that's what the whole idea of it is. And what what is the acceptance? The acceptance is my life isn't what I thought it was. All of the losses, because you got to see, you know, the losses that the wife is going through is the loss of that, that those years where she thought everything was fine, that things weren't fine, that this was going on. So she's got to shift her whole reality. And to whatever extent this changes the awareness of her, what she thought her marriage was, what she thought was going on during those years. She's coming to that place where now where she's saying, okay, I'm accepting that it was what it was. Mm -hmm. Okay. I thought we were happy. We weren't happy. He was actually doing this sexual addiction. Okay. Well, wait, maybe we had some good, we did still have some good family times. We did, you know, I, I, so he, and remember they're working together during this too. So the acceptance is I'm accepting it, this as it is, as it was. And now I'm going to figure out how to live with it, how to, if it's to put the marriage back together, we're, we're going to do this together. And a lot of wives will tell their husbands, I want to make this work. I want to fix it. I want to stay together, but they don't know how, what that is and what Mm -hmm. that's going to look like. Well, what it looks like is that you get to acceptance and you're like, hopefully together at this point. And if you, you know, if the husbands, if, if the husbands aren't on the, are doing their part in this this is going to make this very difficult to, oh, yeah. you know, the wife's going to have her own acceptance of what this is absent of him or acceptance that the marriage isn't good or acceptance that he's not really doing his recovery. He's not really doing what he needs to do. Then it might be an acceptance of, I don't know if my marriage is going to last. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is going to work, but I'm going to be okay either way. So that's what the acceptance is. Now, the acceptance doesn't mean like a bad thing. It's not, I'm stuck with whatever it's no, it is what it is. And then you say, now what? And that's where I like to, when you add hope, now, what is hope, hope for a good life, hope for a happy future, hope for a restored marriage. If we're working together, hope for a place of forgiveness, hope for God to do great, great things out of this hope for him, that whole idea with healing from an affair or healing from sexual addiction Uh, It isn't that the marriage caused either one of those, the marriage, the wife not having a good marriage or the wife not being everything she needs to be isn't what causes her husband to do that. He's 100% responsible for his own stuff. However, there are things in the marriage that can be better, more vulnerability, more honesty, a deeper relationship, maybe a recovery program together, those kinds of things are even that's in the in the hope of things actually being more like like greater and deeper even though you've walked through this painful valley yeah and i think part of that hope too is that you are you are not the same person that that emerges there's a strength that comes from that there's a wisdom Uh, my wife likes to say it this way she says you know i uh i i could never claim ignorance after our big blow up. She's like, I can't be fooled again in the sense that it's like, I know, I know what I know now. 
Mm-hmm. So there's a sense in which wisdom grows and faith grows and, and then possibilities grow as far as the yes. relationship. So I think Absolutely. it's all good. And that's the whole hope of going through this process well and doing it completely and giving yourself grace. And I, I love being aware of it because it I just find it, like I said, from small to big things, I love being able to understand why I'm doing and feeling and thinking what it what it is, and that it's just part of a process. And in these difficult parts of this grief process, then I'm like, oh, this is where I'm at. Okay, I'm going to be going into this next. And you're not surprised by it. Well, Carla, this has been a great uh, conversation. Where can our listeners go to just get more resources and help from you? Yep. So I, mine is changemyrelationship.com and um, all of my books, classes, studies, um, I've got uh, YouTube videos, got some podcast recordings on there. All of those are available through my website at changemyrelationship.com. Yeah. And I, I should say, I don't only deal with couples that are dealing with sexual addiction. I have, mine is for Christians in all difficult relationships. So there's um, whether, you know, it's a anything, it doesn't just have to mm-hmm. be sexual addiction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll be sure to have that in the show notes. And thank you so much for welcome. continuing to speak into this and helping uh, a lot of couples out there. You're welcome. Okay. All right. Bye, yeah. Jonathan. Well, listeners, we're going to put all that in the show notes. And of course, we want to help you take whatever your next best step needs to be. So please reach out to us. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.